What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Podcast. We want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. Uh, my name is Sawyer Trent, and I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and I'm joined by our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Hey, everybody. So glad that you are uh, listening and joining us today, wherever you are, whenever you are. Um, <laughs> we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, we love you, and I know a lot of you we haven't seen here in a while. No, it's and, been a bit. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, honestly, just want to check in with people, see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Shoot us uh, a message at mwolf at arisedenver.com or strap at arisedenver.com. We would love to just hear from you. Whether it's questions, comments, or just like, a, uh, hey, what's up? We, we like hearing all of those things. We do. So, we do, we do. yeah, and, and today on this episode of the podcast, we're going to get a little bit theological again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I, I love getting theological because, honestly, I believe the theological things about our lives actually impact, should actually impact the practical things we do in our lives. Mm-hmm. They affect our 10,000 maybe more than... Anything else? I, I think so. Yeah. And I think the one we're talking about today is one that's a very real practical question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it came from the message from this past Sunday. That's right. And that was a message I titled, The Least, The Last, and The Lost, from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. If you've mm-hmm. missed that, you can go back and, and listen to that on our Rise Church Denver sermon feed for our weekly messages. Um, I don't know if you necessarily need it to listen to this podcast. You should listen to it anyway. I thought it was really good. Well, thanks, Sawyer. Yeah, I mean, it'll give a little bit of context, but it's just like kind of one theological point that gets raised at the very end Mm -hmm. of the parable that Jesus tells in verses 15 to 24 of Luke chapter 14. Mm -hmm. And and I'm just going to kind of summarize that parable so that we can get to the theological question because it's very practical. So so stick with us on this. In in this parable, Jesus is, of course, at this great feast, this banquet. He's partying with people, and he tells them the story about a master who throws a great banquet and invites a bunch of guests. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of read behind the lines in in how culturally those things happened is that people would have said, okay, I'm in. Um, They they got their first invite. It would have been like a save the date like we get for weddings now, a few months in advance. So people would have known of this. They would have been in. So then on the day of the feast, that's when he sends out his servant to go again tell people, hey, today's the day. It's time. Come. It's time because there was a little bit of flexibility like with dates and everything. (laughs) So people knew this was coming. And then one after another after another, there's three different people who say, I can't do it. The first guy says, I got a field. I got to go check out. I just bought this property. The second guy just bought five yoke of oxen. Hey, I got some animals. I got to take them for a spin. Try them out. Got to try them out. The third one's like, I just got married. Sorry, I can't come. And, and I mentioned in my message that those were not legitimate excuses. All those, based on what the excuse are, is, implies that the people could have missed it. And they had already said they're coming. So this is rude. And they're missing out on this great feast that the master's throwing. And then finally, the master sends the servant out. Okay, just go invite anybody. <laughs> I don't care who it is. Go out into the street. Get the blind, the lame, the crippled, the poor. Mm-hmm. And then they get all those people. And then there's still some room in the feast. And 
The master's like, okay, servant, go out again and get anyone you can find, even from a back alley. I don't care where you find roads, country yep. lanes uh, and, and compel them to come in because I want my house to be full. So, and we talked about that, how like that's the kingdom of God. There are mm-hmm. people who are invited and even say, yeah, I'll be there. I, I'm going, I believe. And then I aren't going to be there. And on the other hand, there are people who at the maybe the last minute say, hey, I believe, and they will be there because mm-hmm. God wants the kingdom of heaven to be full. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there's a theological question in there, isn't there? Right, and I think it's rooted right in that last verse, verse 24. This is the master speaking. I tell you that not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And if you think about it, it can be a little terrifying to think about. Mm-hmm. Because, as I mentioned, it's implied that these people had already said they're coming. These are friends, colleagues, family of the master, it seems like. Yeah. They've been invited to this party, and then they don't show up at all. And we're not told what happens after this point, but maybe at some point they're like, oh, I, I guess I, I guess I do want to come. Well, we don't really know what those people were, were thinking after the fact, but Jesus tells us clearly, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Yeah. It almost seems to apply that those who are invited and send yes mm-hmm. aren't going to be there. So in our context, if we're adapting that, well, does that mean people who say they believe, profess faith perhaps, it seems like, they raise their hand that they accepted Christ, they say a prayer, they were baptized as kids, they got married in the church, whatever their affiliation, and then they fell away because of the busyness of life, property, accumulation of stuff, relationships. Yeah. They are not going to be there. So the theological question is, can you lose your salvation? That's a big question. It's a huge question. (laughs) And it's a very practical question as well, because if I can lose my salvation, there's a little bit of a a, a fear, a a, a terror that could come with it. Like, uh uh-oh, I don't want to do something that can cost me my salvation. And on the other hand, if you can't lose your salvation, then what is Jesus talking about here? Yeah. Why does he say some of those who are invited are not going to even get to taste the banquet? Mm-hmm. So what's the answer, Sawyer? I would say that the answer is, is that you can lose your salvation. Okay. For various reasons, but I think it, it boils down to that there's a lot of passages in the Bible that seem to suggest... That it is possible for us to lose our salvation. Um, Jesus, over and over again, makes the invitation for people to come and see, to, to accept um, the gift found in Jesus. And if it's a gift that has to be accepted, then it can also be denied, or it can be accepted and returned. Um, passages such as um, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, it says, The Spirit clearly says that in some times, some later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits taught by demons. Um, Hebrews 2 verse 1, we must pay the careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so we do not drift away. Um, one of Jesus' own parables, uh, the parable of the sower, the, the, the word that falls on rocky ground, the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root, they believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. So I would say... And this is something that Matt and I may disagree with. I'll let Matt tell you in a second what, what his ap- thoughts and approach is. I would say that, yes, it is possible for us to lose our salvation, but that God's grace is so big that even if we do, 
forgiveness is still open to us. Okay. So, as you're about to see here in a second, this is an area that Sawyer and I actually disagree on this theological point. And we, we've known this. I knew this before I hired him, and, and we, uh, I read his doctrinal paper when we licensed him <laughs> and still licensed him, you know, affirmed him to be a pastor. Um, we went to the same seminary and everything, mm-hmm. but we do have a different theological position here. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to disagree and, <laughs> in love, um, uh, agree uh, to disagree on, on this one. This isn't one of our core doctrines at Stop. the church, and so we make room for disagreement in love mm-hmm. on those things that are we feel like are secondary and tertiary issues. And this one I'd say is secondary, not tertiary. I think it's an important <laughs> one. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I would disagree with Soy here. I do not believe that you can lose your salvation. But I think that Sawyer and I actually probably can agree on in the middle here, even though we may use different language for what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so uh, among some of those, you know, this position is sometimes called eternal security or the perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm. These are just theological terms. You don't need to know <laughs> any of them. And the c- slogan for those this position that I hold is, is sometimes once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Once saved, always saved. And yet, as Sawyer pointed out, there's some scriptures that seem like, to say, hey, these people had the salvation and then they lost it, it, that they were part of God's people and went away. There's a couple others I could even reference. Or, or in Hebrews chapter um, 10, uh, there, there's this great warning, like those who have tasted the heavenly fruit, you know, ha- have fallen away. Actually, that might be Hebrews 6. It's Hebrews 6. Hebrews I was going to mention Sorry. that one. Yeah, but, but yeah, in Hebrews 10 is even stronger, in my opinion. But it seems like these people, and I'm actually going to look that up so we, we can uh, read that scripture in Hebrews Chapter ten. I wrote a paper about this in seminary. That's why I, wrote, I think I wrote a paper on Hebrews six. Okay, and that's why we... <laughs> I didn't include it because I actually don't think it's talking about salvation. But in, we'll talk about in that Hebrews in a ten, podcast. ten verse twenty six. <laughs> it says, "If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God." Mm-hmm. So what we're saying by that verse or any of the verses Sawyer referenced is that it, it appears, in my opinion, that these people have a knowledge of the truth. I think that's the strongest one in all of scriptures. They, because you referenced the, the parable of the sowers where they received the message with joy um, and that they were with the people of God and, and all these things. So there are people that it looks very much like they are believers. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is not once saved, always saved. I would say once truly saved, always saved. I would um, emphasize the truly. And, and the biggest reason, and I'll, I might go into a few other reasons, <laughs> is, is because of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. So in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus makes very clear that there are people who will follow the narrow path, and you mm-hmm. preached on the narrow path from Luke, mm-hmm. and there are people who are, are in the wide path that are not going to be in the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven at the end. And it, there's this whole section. It, it's a beautiful, powerful section as it compares like the true and the false disciples, the true and false teachers, the wise and foolish builders. Jesus like just again and again gives these comparisons. But he says in, in verses 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, this is Matthew 7, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, this is what's so important, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Away from me, you evildoers. So these are people who 
look very much like believers. I mean, they're casting out demons. They're prophesying. Yeah. These are big, big things. Yeah, big time ministers. And honestly, they think they're believers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that implied in the passage? Yeah. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. 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 Yeah. They're calling Jesus Lord even. And yet Jesus says to them, I never knew you. And, and that word never, I think, is the signifier here. That I never knew you. It wasn't I knew you for a little bit and then you drifted away. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, but I never knew you. So even at the beginning when it seemed like you were a believer, you were not an actual believer. So that's where I would go and say, hey, it's once truly saved, always saved. And I would absolutely agree with you. So, yeah, that, and that's where we're going to meet in the middle, right? Yes, because I would say absolutely, sadly, there are people that claim to know Jesus, um, maybe even act in ways that suggest they know Jesus, but we can't see people's hearts. We don't have the ability to, <laughs> to see truly if they have, if they have um, accepted mm-hmm. that yes. gift of salvation. We, we don't know if they're saved. So I absolutely... I think for all of us, I think this is where the application piece starts to come in, where we bring this into our 10,000. Yep. Does our life reflect our salvation? Mm. Can people see our fruit? When we get up to heaven, we'll be able to say, Lord, Lord, and enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, even if we've done these good things, does our life reflect that? Yeah. But at the same time, somebody who is truly saved... I would still say there is a there is a potential for them to fall away from faith, but let's not make that happen. Right. Like this is a, I think it is a secondary issue. It is very yeah. important, but like if you're saved right now and you're wondering if you're saved, like <laughs> pray to God and say God, show me that I'm saved and start living like it. Let's mm. like not even run into the issue of yeah. having to go through that wishy-washy battle, am I saved and I'm not saved. Live like you're saved. Absolutely. Like we don't, just because I would say that there is an opening for us to fall away. Like, let's not explore that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I do want to close on that um, in just a second. But there's one other passage and it was actually the passage that finally convinced me of this. Okay. So I was actually tasked with this in high school, or not in high school, in college with the navigators. Um, The guy who was discipling me was was one of the leaders and navigators. He Mm -hmm. said, hey, Matt, I want you to teach on this issue. Okay, interesting. Can you lose your salvation? Yeah. And I knew nothing. <laughs> and so I asked my dad and he got one of his old books from seminary and gave it to me. I read it. So I studied and I was like, I don't know. So I mm-hmm. looked up every verse I could. Yeah. And, and this is the one that finally kind of pushed me over towards the side. So maybe I can push Sawyer over. See if you, see or, if you can convince you. me. And, and it's actually John chapter 6. And there's something okay. similar in John chapter 10 that echoed it. But John chapter 6 was, was the defining verse for me on this passage. And it's in John chapter 6, verse 39. This is Jesus talking, and he said, This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will, in verse 40, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It seems that if the Father in heaven gives someone to Jesus, using Jesus' language, Mm -hmm. That Jesus will lift them up on the last day. It's like a one-to-one promise. Those who are given, and it says what they are, they look to the Son and believe in Him. So if God the Father gives them to Jesus, Jesus will make sure that He lifts them up on the last day. And that's why that phrase, perseverance of the saints. Um, I I, uh, honestly say perseverance is good, but it's also preservation. It's both. Mm. You know, we have to persevere (laughs) to make sure we believe, and yet 
I think at the end we're going to look back and realize, oh, actually God helped me. He preserved me. 100%. Um, and I, I think where Sawyer and I can agree here is exactly what he was saying, is that this warning is real. Yeah, absolutely. The warning that Jesus gives us is not just rhetorical. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in Matthew 7 or Luke 14 from our message this Sunday, there are people who think they're in that will not be in. Yeah. Because of the busyness of life, because of the temptation of sin and the devil, because of all sorts of stuff, there are people that will get off the trail. There are people who in their pride think that they're worshiping God and they're really just worshiping themselves. Mm -hmm. So there are people who have deceived themselves, have been deceived. Um, And and though Sawyer and I would disagree, he would say they were saved and then lost it. I would say they never were truly saved. But either way, the warning is legitimate and should be listened to. Absolutely. It should never be softened by our theology, by my theology in in this case. I think in your (laughs) case, it's legitimate, right? But it should not be softened. Like that Hebrews warning, like I read that, we wrote that paper in seminary and Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this is no sacrifice for sins is left, only a fearful expectation of judgment. Yeah. That should stop you in your track. That should make some of you listening right now really take some time to soul search, look inside, am I really saved? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, have I fallen away or drifted away and I need to um, go back to Jesus, that I need to say I'm rededicating my life? Absolutely. That, that maybe even uh, I need to ask Jesus to just send his Holy Spirit to give me, whether it's a, for the first time or, or for a fresh um, pouring out of his Holy Spirit that I might follow him. Like We should ask for those things. Absolutely. Have a deeper awareness of what the Spirit is already doing. I think that's often, you know, God is moving, but we can become so, so blind. We can mm-hmm. delude ourselves and separate ourselves out and just just pray that God would give us fresh eyes to see what he's doing, that he would draw us back. That, yeah. So l- let's give people some questions that they can think through because sometimes mm-hmm. questions yeah. are the best thing more than applications. So some questions for your application for your life. And, and I think maybe the first one is do the people around you see things in your life that they can say, wow, Jesus has saved you. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And maybe you need to ask them. Do, do your spouse, do your kids, do your friends at work. They would say, wow, something's different about you. And especially it, you're growing more mature. You, you have more fruit in your life. You know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, one time you did a nice thing. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Are you actively displaying more and more of fruit in your life and, and looking more and more like Jesus. So that's the first thing. Do people around you actually see fruit in your life? And that was going to very close to the question that I was going to bring up is okay. when you think about yourself three months ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. five years ago, depending upon how long you've been following Jesus, can you actively see and can the people in your life actively see you becoming more like Jesus? Yes. So, so my question would be more like, uh, do people around me see it? Mm-hmm. Your question would be like, do I see it? Do I see it? Compared wow. to how I, how I know I was last month or a year ago or five years ago yep. or 10 years ago. And I think both of those questions are helpful because sometimes self-evaluation, we can deceive ourselves. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Either way. Mm-hmm. Like I know people who are like, think they're all that in a bag of chips, right? That they're at the top of the heap and they're going to be the person Jesus is like, I never knew you. Right. 
And then there's other people who are like, I haven't improved at all. Like nothing's changing mm-hmm. about my life. It's both, yep. And I, I, I'll be like, no, 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 no. Wow, you are completely different than you were. Right. Sure, you just did something really stupid. <laughs> but that what you're doing like now makes, you know. Right. Like, you look like a saint now compared to what you were five years life. ago yeah. or two years ago, mm-hmm. or, you know. So I think both those questions go in hand in hand, you, mm-hmm. you know, want the evaluation. What, what are some other questions that we could be asking ourselves? So I think those are both maybe present and past looking. Mm-hmm. I think we also need to look for the future. What areas in my life still need greater redemption? Sure. What ways can I live more like Jesus? What, what things do I need to let go of? What sins do I need to stop doing? Do I need to find accountability for? Do I need support for? Um, to, you know... <laughs> Really, really um, make faith and my salvation my life. That's good. Um, I would add to it another question. It's another future one as well is what is there in my life right now that could cause me to fall? Mm-hmm. Um, be careful lest you fall. I mean, that's the, the command of First Corinthians 10, I believe. Yeah. Be careful if you think you're standing firm mm-hmm. so that you don't fall. So the people that think they're standing firm can fall. So what are those things? You know, uh, just, just to be honest, like, the revelations that have come out about Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. really have shaken me. Um, he's someone I looked up to, listened to, you know, read, just loved his life. And even when he died, like, I, I didn't really know that there had been, and I think, I, I maybe kind of knew there had been one accusation against him in his life. Right. But then now, after his death, yeah, after so his death, come out. Mm-hmm. so much has come out that even the people close to him say they didn't know. Yeah. That he um, had all these relationships with with women that were inappropriate, you know, sexually, and it's just really sad. Mm-hmm. And I am never going to be the one to question anyone's salvation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to be like it, but I know that he's going to have to. I mean, his legacy is falling. Like his Absolutely. entire organization that was enormous, one of the greatest apologetic organizations ever. And that's the crazy thing. I think that it speaks to these hard warnings that his, he and his organization have done and were doing amazing, amazing things. Amazing things, yes. Influenced me, influenced thousands, probably millions of people. Yeah. Have been impacted by yeah. what he and his organization have done. And it's just completely collapsing now. I think mm-hmm. some of the, the local branches in different countries are trying to reform into something new. But, yeah. man, it's just boom, ex- complete explosion. And I was like... I do not want anything like that to ever happen in my life. It was really eye-opening. It was also some of the research I was doing at the same time for my doctorate, mm-hmm. which maybe I'll talk about one of these other days. But it's the same thing, like, wow, this can happen to great great people, great men, great women. We're yeah. all capable of falling. So we need to, like, what are those things in my life? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are possible that, yeah, maybe I'm not even close right now, but... I could see down the future that that could be an issue. And those things, we need to be careful. Right. And so that would be maybe the fourth question. Yeah, that's good too. Absolutely. What's my area that I could fall in? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be the people that, in my view, would have <laughs> never been saved or in your view would have lost salvation. Man, that terrifies me. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good terrifying. So I want to close with one verse. And I think this is is both a, a, a you know a humbling a, a sobering verse, mm-hmm. but also a very hopeful verse, and that's why I like it. It's Philippians two twelve and thirteen. Okay, mm-hmm. memorize this, friends. Okay, <laughs> memorize these two verses. It says, um, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, 
This is the good part. So you, you don't have to memorize that first half. Memorize from here <laughs> on. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling. It's yeah. fear and reverence of God, but it's also trembling. There are moments before God and we're like, am I really saved? Have I worked out my salvation? We should have those moments. But then verse 13 is so good. Mm-hmm. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to that perseverance and preservation aspect of it. We need to persevere. We need to work hard, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's God who preserves us. And and the good works that even we do, the good things we do, the fruit we bear, it was God working in us to bear, to bear that fruit. Right. So, both end. So, yeah, um, we'd love to hear from you. If you disagree with me, disagree with Sora, you could... <laughs> Um, you know, if, if you're on the, the right side with me, um, I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> no, um, we'd love to hear from you if, if whatever you think on this. And obviously people do disagree within the faith and we're okay with that. Like mm-hmm. we can be friends and, and work together in the same That's church. Right. Um, because there is so much ground that we do agree on mm-hmm. in this for what it practically means for our lives. And that's what this podcast is about, that 10,000, those minutes. So are we living out our faith? So we'd love to hear from you. If you're concerned, if you're truly saved, reach out to us. We'd love to encourage mm, you and pray absolutely. for you so that you absolutely. can walk, yes, in humility, but also in confidence. We can know that we are saved, it mm-hmm. says in 1 John 5. Yeah. We can have a confidence. Um, and if that's you, we want to encourage you and not scare you off. And if you're <laughs> like, I don't think I'm saved, get saved today. Okay, you All you need to do is believe in your heart that uh, Jesus is Lord and declare with your mouth, I got that backwards. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay. (laughs) And you will be saved. And you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Declare with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. That's all it takes. Jesus will then lift you up in the last day. There you go. You got it. Okay. Well, thanks so much for listening. (laughs) We'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and in the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.